Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Heartbreakers. Just wanted to give you a little heads up. We're touching on a couple sensitive topics. We're not going into anything too deep, but definitely check those content warnings if you want to be safe about it. Welcome back to another Breakdown Bonus episode. I'm joined by Bernique Esther, who is an Atlanta-based emotional and relational trauma therapist. She also has an online course at thewholenessacademy.com and is the author of When Seasons Change, a Divorce Recovery Interactive Devotional. Bernique, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here as well. I've been following you for a while. I think you have great online content and I just really felt like you were the perfect person to talk about experiencing manipulation in relationships. And I love that you're also going to be able to touch on the religious aspect of that as well, because that was a key point of this particular story. And we'll get into that. And we also have some questions from our listeners who have experienced this firsthand. So I think it's going to be a good combo. This is good stuff. We have to talk about it, right? Exactly. When we talk about manipulative relationships, if you know you're getting manipulated, of course, everyone would know, oh, I should just get out of that. But I can imagine when you're in the middle of it, you might not realize what you're experiencing. So can you talk about some of the signs that your partner may be manipulative or controlling? Yeah. And before I even go there, I want to say that a lot of the times, uh, especially with my particular demographic, high achieving women specifically, we all kind of roll our eyes and like, it could never be me, right? I could never. But the thing is, manipulation is sneaky. That's the whole point of it. That's what makes it good. And that's what makes it work. And we have these underlying beliefs, especially if you have your own unaddressed trauma or experiences or attachment styles that you're not totally clear on, it can actually make you more susceptible to being manipulated, even if you're very intelligent or even self-aware, because we all have this innate thing that makes us want to connect with people. And sometimes our connections can blind us to reality or our desire for connection can blind us to reality. You know, there are things that are as egregious as, you know, financial abuse, withholding funds or not giving you access to things that you need in a relationship. There's also like blatant emotional manipulation where that person is tearing you down or using things that they know about you in order to get you to kind of be under their thumb or subject to their will, so to speak. But then you have things that are a little bit sneakier, like somebody who makes you you feel as though you're dependent on them emotionally for validation, right? They thrive off the fact that you maybe, for example, for me, one of my top love languages is words of affirmation. And so if I'm not careful, somebody could give me all of the words that I want to hear, but they may not show any real proof of their love and care towards me. If we're talking about romantic relationships, I can get manipulated, right? If that is part of your thing, if you enjoy and and rely on external validation, then that person could be manipulating you into to being in relationship with them, even though there's no proof, tangibility of that relationship, if that makes sense. And so they'll they'll force feed you words and it feels good, but you always feel like you're missing something in the end. And so manipul- manipulation really is on a spectrum from, you know, not providing willful neglect, right? Not really providing what you need in the relationship. You're telling them what you want, what you need, and they're 
pretending like they're doing it, but they're really not. They're giving you enough to kind of wet your palate for them. So that way you can still stay around and they reap the benefits of the relationship. But then it can be as blatant and egregious as emotional abuse, where they use your weaknesses to keep you under their power and their will in order for you to do what they want, that they can move you in certain directions. That's a really interesting way of putting it. That really hit me. You're getting what you want, but you're not getting what you need at all. It's like the empty calories of relationships. So if I'm somebody who really thrives off of validation, and I have a lot of friends like this, where it's just like they just really honestly get off of of having lots of guys or having a a boyfriend be there for them. But at the end of the day, as a friend from the outside, I can see this and go, this is not a guy who's really going to be setting you up for the future that you want. He's not being a good partner. And so I'm looking mm-hmm. at these guys and, and girls and, you know, anybody can be a manipulator. I'm wondering what mm-hmm. would somebody have to gain from being controlling or manipulative? Really power. Right. And that sounds so like Dylan in a Disney story, but it's true because if we're, if our needs weren't met in our parental relationships, we can grow these, for lack of a better word, pathologies that move us to have like to gain power and acceptance and love any way that we can. And so it's so funny that you asked this question because I don't see manipulation as innately people are just evil. Right. To some extent. Even the best of people, I just made a video about this yesterday, even people pleasing is manipulative, right? And most of the time it looks like on the end of the person doing it that like, I just want to please you. No, you want to please me so that way you can get and barter love and affection. And that's not really the way that you, you, we don't want relationships to be that level of transactional. And so manipulation on a surface level isn't always about trying to like abuse the other person, but essentially to try and meet a need that hasn't been fulfilled in the appropriate ways or that haven't been fulfilled by their own self. And so there's, there's two ways to that, right? Some people are trying to gain love and affection. Some people are trying to gain power. Some people are trying to get their needs met in whatever way possible. And so it kind of gives you a different view on manipulation. It's not just that there are narcissists, but some people have brokenness inside of them that they haven't addressed that lead them to find other back doors to what they want to need. That's so interesting that you say that because that's exactly what one of my listeners DM me. She said, you know, I was in this relationship with this person. I didn't really feel like it was a malicious thing. And so she actually asked the question that I was going to later bring up. She said, can this be something that people are doing subconsciously or is this something that like, yes, there is something missing in me that I haven't healed yet and I'm consciously making this decision to sort of patch that up. That's true. That is the case sometimes. But here is the gotcha. The gotcha in that is for somebody who is um, maybe highly empathetic that you can fall for that and say, oh, they just want love. And so I can teach them to find love without manipulation. Well, that's a slippery slope because you're still feeding into this idea that like what their behavior is okay and that they can find the love and acceptance that they want by doing it. The only way truly to kind of cut out that behavior is to draw really solid boundaries with that person. So that way they either can truly find other ways. Like let's say you're married, right? And you're not trying to divorce the person. They can find other ways. You set up those boundaries so they found other ways to gain, or not gain, but to to receive your love and affection. Or you step away from the relationship entirely. I would not stay in a relationship with somebody that I have identified as manipulative or having highly manipulative characteristics. It can be very dangerous for people who have codependency, uh, anxious attachment styles. It can put you in a position to have to essentially be a punching bag for somebody 
somebody who needs to do their own work. This is so crazy. You brought up another thing that somebody DM me. So I'm just going <laughs> to dive into some of these listener questions because you just brought yeah. up somebody feeling really empathetic towards the other person for, um, you know, wanting to essentially be codependent and cater to those needs. And so I have a, a question from a listener who said, you know, I've set up boundaries in a relationship where I feel like I'm being manipulated, but I feel bad and I don't know how to manage that. I don't know how to acknowledge that in the moment. Like I can look back and go, oh, maybe that didn't feel right. How do I not feel like the bad guy in these situations when I'm drawing a boundary? So for one, that's trauma, right? If you feel bad about establishing boundaries, it's likely be because you've been in positions where boundaries weren't an option, usually in your parental relationships, boundaries weren't an option um, or they were seen as negative or you were never just taught how to utilize them. And so you have to do your own work to figure out what is my mindset and what are the beliefs that I have about boundaries? Many of us, especially if you come from a Christian background, believe that you should be open and available to people like it's your Christian duty. But as I like to say, God has boundaries, right? And so it's not about being mean. It's about reorienting your perspective and understanding that boundaries are about teaching people how to love you better, but also empowering you to close the door if somebody is not able or capable of doing that. The beginning of that, though, is knowing that you don't need to be comfortable in order to do it. I think that's our misconception is that in order for me to do this, like I have to feel good about it, but you don't. You don't have to feel good about it. You just do it, you maintain it, and then you keep reminding yourself why it's important. If I'm feeling guilt about a boundary, I go back to well, what made me bring this up? What made me have this boundary in the first place? And I'll remind myself of the danger, whether emotional or physical, that I was in at the time. I don't want to be there. Like, if I'm not willing to go back to that place again, then you know what? I'd rather sit in the discomfort of this boundary than the danger of not having it at all. I'm so guilty of that. I will totally lean into how I feel and act accordingly in terms of like that emotion that I'm feeling. I'm guilty of being codependent where if I have anxiety about someone not liking me, I'm like, okay, what? What can I do to bend over backwards to make sure that this person likes me? And it's so unhealthy and it's like, okay, well, we have to separate our actions from how we're feeling, which sounds so basic but then we find ourselves Mm -hmm. in the same pattern. I want to touch on that because you brought up religion and and Christianity. And that's something that we really talked about in this week's main episode where the interviewee, she was manipulated into staying into a marriage because of being manipulated with scripture, being manipulated in the sense that like divorce is a sin. And so I want to ask from your perspective, because not only do you work in the mental health field, but you also work with people in in the Christian space. How can you separate the manipulation from what I'm going to go to hell if I don't do this? How do you how do you balance that? This is going to seem oversimplified, maybe, and I hope it doesn't. But I think this is why it's important to make sure that you really do understand and know God for yourself. If your faith is established and, and piggybacks off of someone else, then you are susceptible to manipulation. And But that's not a judgment, though. Like it really is an admonition and encouragement for you to really understand God for yourself. And what does it mean? And to understand scripture, because what we're not taught, Christianity is a thinking religion. It's a study studying religion. And so you have to be able to to know and internalize what these beliefs mean to you and to understand the character of God, which is that he he would not want you to be abused and manipulated. Like those are the that's the opposite of what he is about. He doesn't even manipulate us into relig- relationship with him. And so we have to to know that. But I think the other thing, it's unfortunate that people do this, right? As as a black woman myself, I understand the history of how the Christian faith specifically, Christianity can be used used as a manipulation tactic, right? When we look at the transatlantic slave trade 
and how religion was used as a way to justify horrific actions, right? And essentially genocide. And so people have been doing this for years. And actually that's not even specific to the Christian faith either, right? Other faiths have conquered people and have done unspeakable horrors in the name of their faith. And so faith is one of those things because it's so pervasive, because it's an entire belief system, it can allow us to get caught up in those things. And so I can't really speak to specifically what do you do to keep yourself from being religiously manipulated other than truly developing a relationship with God for yourself and understanding the character of God. But I think that's a really empowering answer. Honestly, you're totally spot on. I think in specific Christian spaces, you're not necessarily encouraged to push back or ask questions. And I think in a lot of spaces, we're getting more progressive in the sense that like we're allowed to think critically and we're allowed to say, well, did it really say that? Or are we just listening to one person's specific translation of what that Greek word meant? So I think that's an excellent and empowering answer for anybody who feels like they may be getting manipulated through their religion. Because that's such a deep hurt. Because like you're thinking, thinking God is telling me to stay in this marriage. And really God is like in the background being like, girl, you need to divorce that man. Like he's awful. Like that's Uh, not me. That is not me. (laughs) It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing. Summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear. There is Hibernation Abbey and there is Summer Abbey. And Summer Abbey likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up in a jiffy. And you're probably like, ew, a refrigerated meal that must be so unhealthy and gross. No, I can confirm these are delicious. And they have so many different options like calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. You can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. You get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factor's ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. (laughs) I, I do not claim that. But, you know, even if it's not religion, I know a lot of people will throw things like they'll go to the extremes to keep people in their marriages and relationships. And something that I've seen a lot on this podcast, and this is an extreme version, is people will sometimes threaten self-harm to keep people from breaking up. And to me, like if my boyfriend came to that and threatened that, I would be terrified. How do you even respond to that? So if somebody is getting that extreme example of my partner says they're going to harm themselves if we break up, is there a correct way of going about that? That can highlight a possible personality disorder. Not always that a lot of times can be connected to like BPD, borderline personality disorder. But in that moment, right, you're not thinking like, oh, this might be a tactic. I would recommend that you call somebody. If somebody is threatening to harm themselves, I will call 911 or I will call maybe the suicide hotline or whatever and have them assessed, even if you feel like it's, it, you know, they could be threatening or whatever. And then I recommend that you get out of this situation, like you create distance because it is manipulation. And what you don't want is to be trapped in a cycle of this person threatening to harm themselves. And now you feel like their lifeline, you know, obviously God forbid, if, if something were to happen, you might feel away, right? Honestly, and truly you, you cannot bear that sort of a burden. It's not fair. It's not right. And so I would call 911 and be like, okay, if you're in a, if you're in a space where you're 
wanting to harm yourself, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call 911. Here's a number to the hotline, but this is my boundary. So yeah, that's a tough situation. Thankfully, I, I don't know too many people that have been in it, but I know that it's it's a real thing. It happens to some people, but I would recommend getting, getting the appropriate authorities because that's not your job and then maintaining your boundaries because what happens is, you know, we might get to the point where we say, no, I'm not, you know, two weeks when they're like, oh, I feel so much better. Like, can we try again? Now you're like, oh, well, maybe like I cut them off too soon or maybe I should have been there for them and all these things like let's not like you need to establish and maintain a boundary because somebody who's willing to go through that lane they can be potentially dangerous that's something that a lot of people have brought up in my dms is they're like you know i want to break up with this person but because they are so manipulative it's hard because they keep pulling you back in and i am empathetic so i i want to believe that things are going to get better what are some tangible things that people can keep in mind if they're deciding to break up with a partner who's controlling in this way, not necessarily in the self-harm space, but just in, in terms of like controlling and being manipulative. Yeah. I'm not a domestic violence expert or anything like that, but I do know that when it comes to people with controlling tendencies, things things can get pretty escalated pretty quick. Again, space, distance, and then getting the appropriate support. I would recommend you getting a therapist, somebody that can walk with you and be a source of accountability. Likely, if you are in a controlling relationship, that is traumatic, or at least it can be. And so I recommend you immediately getting a therapist and then finding ways to begin to separate yourself from that person, creating distance for sure. Another thing I want to ask, because, you know, when we hear manipulation, we think, okay, immediately you should get out. Are there levels to it? You know what I mean? Like, is this something your partner can work through? Or is this something where it's like, if you notice the first sign of it, you should get out? I like to think that there's a difference between tendencies and characteristics. We all have, to some extent, toxic tendencies. Being somebody who is inherently toxic, which is through help and support, changeable. I I think that those are kind of different, but it just depends. For example, if me and you are friends, Abby, and you tell me that, you know, hey, I really would like to go to a Mexican restaurant tonight, Vernique. And I'm like, yeah, but I know that you love Italian. Don't you think you want to go to Italian instead? That's manipulative, right? Because I want to go to Italian. I want to eat Italian food, but I'm trying to convince you that you want Italian food. That's manipulation. In that case, your job is to say, hey, Vernique, I actually want Mexican. But if you want Italian, I'm willing to compromise or, you know what, we can get Italian next time. But I I do want Mexican. That's really what I'm craving. Right. And so that calls me out. And that reminds me, like, in this relationship, I need to use my words. Some people are just not used to. And, so, and again, because of previous context, some people are not used to staying outright what they want and what they need. And so they feel like they have to go through these back channels in order to get what they truly desire because they don't they don't feel the encouragement or the safety to own their own feelings, beliefs, desires, et cetera. That is workable. But when everything that I do beyond, or at least a lot of what I do is me constantly trying to get you to take responsibility for my stuff, right? If we get into an argument that I'm like, no, but remember you, you told me that you feel this way or like you're trying to get me to understand how you feel. And I'm like, you made me feel this way first. When there's no accountability in that person's wheelhouse, that can make it hard for somebody to have a relationship with them. And so what you have to look at is how productive is this relationship with this behavior present? If I cannot have a healthy relationship with you and we keep running into into this manipulative characteristic, then I may need to separate myself because you are not responsible 
responsible for anybody else's work. And I think that that's important. Just because you like someone, just because you love someone, this is a tough pill to swallow, does not mean that you need to process their work with them. And a lot of times we are enabling people by not telling them like, hey, when you figure this out, we can resume. But right now I am not in a position and I do not have the capacity to continue in this relationship with this wall present. When manipulation is present, nothing about the relationship can be productive. But if there is a tendency and it's in certain instances, right, because the person has unaddressed trauma or they just haven't been in a relationship where it's safe for them to state what they want, you can just remind them like, hey, remember, you're just on your stuff. If you want Italian, girl let me know, right? I'm willing to be flexible or we can we can work that out. And the person is willing to be like, you know what? Okay. And internalize that and then practice that. That's totally different. I hope that makes sense. No, 100%. And I feel like I've actually lived that exact example where you kind of feel like, right. why can't we just, just tell me what you're really thinking? Like, why do we need to like right. seven different left turns to get there? I thought we were better mm-hmm. friends than that. You know, if somebody feels like maybe they're in a relationship where there's just maybe manipulative tendencies and they feel like this is something they can work through and the relationship will be better on the long run. What are some things they can keep in mind to set boundaries and keep that person accountable? I'm always going to recommend maybe some sort of therapy because that third party can help with that. Being the only one that is able to call that out is really hard. Um, The other thing is you need to assess if they're actually willing to do the work or are they just telling you they want to do the work? When you feel empowered enough to say, hey, I was talking about what happened today, but you're bringing up something that happened a week ago that feels deflective that feels like you're gaslighting me or you know whatever can we try this again and if they're willing to walk through that then then that's good that's a good sign but you do have to feel empowered enough to say hey that didn't feel good to me can we talk about why you addressed this this way or or why you didn't take accountability for this it really made me feel unheard it really made me feel unloved so it's two sides they have to be willing to do the work but you have to be willing to to voice how you feel and what is coming up as soon as it comes up, not waiting a year or whatever in order to be like, hey, now I've piled up all of these instances where I feel unheard and unloved and unappreciated. I I think that that's the beginning, getting help, making sure that they actually are committed and willing to do the work. And then you being taking accountability for voicing how you feel. So that way they can see in real time where adjustments need to be made. But Ultimately, I really want to stress that if you are not married to this person, it really is not your responsibility to get them to be self-aware. I know that dating is hard, but you should not be doing anybody's work for them. You can be a reflection for them. There should be some level of challenge in relationships when you become that person's therapist or their mother or, you know, the, the person that is putting them on your back so that way they can be a better person. It gets to be a lot. That's not something that you should be doing in a dating relationship in my opinion. I can just feel the people in their cars right now, like cringing, like Bernie, don't tell yeah. me that he's got great hair. I know. <laughs> I know. And I've been there. I'm telling you this because I've been there. Listen, I tell my clients all the time, any mistake that you've made, I've probably done it three times. The truth is I have tried to help somebody see I'm a clinician, right? Like I, I want everybody to feel like empowered and to be better. But like, I have to take that weight off of me. Listen, if you're not cutting the check, I'm not doing the work for you for free. And some of y'all don't even have the degree and you're willing to put yourself on the line. Like just keep telling yourself that other people's emotional work is not your responsibility. You are a person and you have your own stuff. And so if they're not willing to take accountability for it, you cannot take accountability for them. Amen to that. I got a really interesting DM from someone. They broke up with someone they said was very manipulative. 
And now they're in this beautiful, healthy relationship. But they say that they still feel like there's something missing. They don't really quite feel like they got closure in that relationship. Why might someone feel that way after getting out of something that was clearly not good for them? I'm going to be vulnerable and say that maybe like a year ago or so, I went from being a travel medical social worker to doing therapy full time and, and some contract work. It was like around this time last year. And I remember talking to my therapist and I'm like, everything is fine. I'm okay, but I feel so unhappy. And she was like, well, you're used to operating under a level of chaos. And now that things are at peace and everything is good, you don't know what to do. And so you're creating chaos in your mind. And so I think sometimes that can be it. Sometimes we're so emotionally connected to the chaos that we want to re-enter ourselves in it by trying to quote unquote find closure. But really, you're just not done. You're not done. And you want to still be connected to that person. And sometimes the mind work that we do and the way that our brains move still help to keep us connected to that person. So it could be that you're still emotionally connected to them. But the other reason could be we love to be able to say, oh, now I understand why and to have those closing conversations. I would be mindful that if that person does have a manipulative tendency, you are putting yourself on the hook to potentially be reeled right back in. And so what you don't want to do is to be looking for closure and end up in a situation that you fought hard to leave. Closure is not as valuable as you think it is. You can actually find your own closure. Why don't you write a journal to yourself or you know, write a letter to that person and then burn it. There are other ways for you to find closure and meaning, but a part of me is wondering, is this self-sabotage? Are you looking for closure because something about where you are now doesn't feel as exciting? Chaos, right? And dysfunction can be exciting. I have um, a co-host that comes on a lot. Her name's Lexi and she's been going back to this ex for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And she finally said a couple months ago, she's like, I think I just might have to create my own closure. And that's so hard because we just want them to say that one thing that is finally going to put those intrusive thoughts at rest. And I think the reality is sometimes it's a lot more complicated than that. We have to find it in ourselves. The one point I want to end on is something I've kind of been thinking about over the last couple months. And this is so cliche because it comes from a movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I didn't get it when I was younger. This line that says, we accept the love we think we deserve. And when I was younger, I was like, why would I accept anything? Like I was watching Twilight and being like, why would I accept anything less than like Edward Cullen? As we become like complex adults, like why we think sometimes, oh, well, maybe I'm just attracting this certain type of person. I have, I have a series of exes that are manipulative. So I would just love to end on like a final empowering note. What would you say to someone that maybe finds themselves in situations where they're constantly getting manipulated and maybe they just think this is just how it is? One, you have to separate yourself from the belief system that this is how it is or this is how it has to be. In order for your brain to begin to, to find new patterns and to be open to new suggestions, you have to break the old connections that it's been making. And the connection that you've been making is, well, I guess I'm always going to be connected to narcissists or I'm always going to be connected to people who are um, abusive or manipulative. So you have to say, no, there is possibility for me to find someone that is not like this. Even if that's all I've seen, I am at least fixing my and priming my belief system to believe that there is something out there that is different for me. I just haven't met it yet, but I'm going to. And so that feels really like woo-woo, but it's true. Your brain works that way. Whatever you tell it to believe, it will believe. Whatever you shift towards, it will start to open up to until it finds it, right? It's the, I want a Nissan, and now you see Nissan's everywhere thing. Same thing. If you believe that this is all you're going to be subjected to, then that's all you're going to have because your brain is going to say, okay, well, let me confirm that for you. The other thing is, I believe that we have a perception of what we have access to. And so a lot of the times, the love that you reach 
for is the love that you think that you have access to, the love that's within your reach. The truth about that is you end up in the same predicament. This is like the mind thing, but it's not just about like, oh, I just think that's all I deserve. No, it's where my environment now. So it's my belief, but it's also my environment. I feel like my radius is only but so far. Well, you need to put yourself in a new environment, right? You need to you need to connect with people who have healthy relationships. Some of y'all don't have couple friends and you need some. So you can see how it what it looks like and begin to expand your palette of what's possible. And then that brings me to the third thing. Your type might be what's killing you. Your type, what you want and what you desire might be the might be rooted in trauma. And if you don't check your preferences, that might be the culprit for why you keep ending up in, in these relationships. I do my best to try and speak to the whole experience, but I'm also very practical. And so while there are just some terrible people out there, I also want you to feel empowered to know that if you can change your beliefs, if you can change your environment, and if you connect to, to other people that may have what you want, you could end up in a better situation. Yep. If you want something different, you got to start acting different, put yourself in different environments. I fully believe that. Thank you so much for coming on, crushing this interview, giving us so much incredible knowledge. I know j- just based off my DMs, like I have never gotten such a big response when I'm like, hey, have you gotten wow. manipulated before? So I know so many people are going to benefit from this. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm excited that for you guys to start these new journeys with, you know, an abundant and beautiful love life.